Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of January 29th through the 31st, 2021. My name's Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone is enjoying February? I can't really believe it's already the second month of the year. It feels like 2021 has just barely begun. And that's despite January being so jam-packed with a lot of different things capturing the national conversation. Uh, the latest of those happenings actually is pretty relevant to the box office industry. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the news in the last week or so, you've probably heard about GameStop and Wall Street bets shifting the national conversation with regard to investing and hedge funds and short selling and all of that. Now, I don't pretend to be a finance or economics podcast outside of the context of the box office industry, and I strongly recommend if you're you know if you're curious to check out the reporting from Planet Money. Endless Thread, and the Journal podcast if you want to hear more about that. Um, that said, uh, if GameStop and Wall Street are the speedboats making waves in the finance world, uh, AMC is specifically is caught up in that particular wake. So long story short, a bunch of individual investors centered around the subreddit Wall Street Bets decided to invest in video game retailer GameStop for various reasons. Some legitimately thought it was undervalued and would increase in price. Some looked at specific mechanics of sorting stock and how different hedge funds could be squeezed to drive the price up and wanted to make a quick buck. And others simply wanted to stick it to the man, you know, saying that the little guys would be able to make as much as the hedge funds uh, in this case. Uh, after the initial success of GameStop going from about $20 at the start of the year to $40 by mid-month to $80 last Monday and then $350 by Wednesday, Wall Street Bets investors looked at other prominent stocks that might similarly be undervalued as well as being similarly sorted. Uh, the second most sorted stock uh, is AMC, though not quite as much as GameStop. Um, and as you can tell, you know that the AMC has caught their eye. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, AMC was trading at about two dollars a share. Um, it did slowly increase to just under four dollars by Monday. Uh, in my assessment, this is likely to do the news that they had uh, recovered. Um, you know, secured financing uh, to, to be able to stay open through the rest of the year, as well as you know the growing optimism that the Biden administration will be able to manage the vaccine rollout to hopefully lead to a turn to movie theaters. <laughs> Then, during the peak of the Wall Street's bets buying frenzy, AMC stock shot up to just under $20 a share, uh, with the hashtag SaveAMC trending on Twitter. Now, as you've probably heard, come Thursday and Friday, various trading platforms such as Robinhood limited trading on AMC and GameStop, among others. Uh, it seems to be primarily to do with not having enough liquidity to satisfy the clearinghouses. Uh, this led to the price dropping to about $9 at the end of the week. Um, trading since then has opened up, and as of the recording this Monday night, uh, AMC sits at about $13.30. That's 13.30. Uh, in comparison, a year ago when the pandemic was but rumors here over, over here in the states uh its price was about uh you know uh, eight dollars per share uh, before dropping down to two dollars in march once the shutdown happened and so you know this wall street bets uh buying frenzy has basically wiped out all of the losses in the last year on the stock price due to the pandemic 
Now, disclaimer before I go much further, uh, this is not financial advice. Be sure to do your own research and make your own decisions when it comes to investing and all investing comes with risk. Um, I personally don't have any skin in the game with any of these stocks since I tend to be the uh, buy and hold type of guy uh, in an index fund, um, be it AMC, GameStop, or otherwise. But in any case, I wanted to answer the question, how does this help AMC specifically, right? I mean, it kind of feels that this whole Wall Street Spets thing has kind of almost shown that there was, to some degree, a separation from the actual valuation of the stock on the stock market and, you know, the actual... Uh, you know, the actual price on the stock market and, and the actual performance in the real world, right? Like, you know, yes, maybe AMC, maybe GameStop is undervalued, but to the tune of being actually worth $350, maybe not. That's probably partly due to the more mechanics of sword squeezing. Um, now, you know, what what does that mean then, right? Like, if, if the stock market doesn't really reflect the value of the company, does this actually translate to AMC being able to do better? Um well, you know, this actually might actually, you know, in a, in a sense, help save movie theaters to some degree. Um, maybe a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but it definitely can have an impact. Uh, for one, you know, obviously AMC is seeking financing and, you know, investment from private equity firms and so on to inject cash um, in exchange for stock. Um, being able to have a higher stock price means that they'll be able to maybe, you know, if they're trying to get a loan, uh, be able to demand better deals since they have a larger market cap and they can sell off some portion of stock in order to fight to back that loan, um, you know, a smaller share if they have more stock or a higher stock price. Um, similarly, you know, if AMC decides to issue more stock for, for buying to the public, um, you know, and, and there's enough demand for it as it as it is, um, if the stock price is at, you know, this, this elevated stock price, they can, again, generate more revenue through an issuance of stock, um, you know, be it, again, from retail investors or other, you know, private equity financiers. Um, so, obviously, there's no confirmation they're, gonna, they're planning on doing this. And, you know, we'll have to see if how this all plays out in the long run. But, you know, We'll keep. We'll just cover how the how the world coach is going to keep going, and if the price stays above the two dollar floor, we start to begin the year. This could, you know, be the beginning of a turnaround. Uh, one thing I found particularly humorous, anecdotally, uh, is that in a lot of places I spend my time online, you know, in the last year, especially with the rise of streaming and HBO Max and all that, uh, people have been pretty anti-movie theater, saying, you know, it's a go to the way of the dinosaurs and very pro-streaming, um, which, you know, as a lover of cinematic experience, that really hurts to hear from me. Um, but, you know, hearing a lot of people on Wall Street bets, whether it be them trying to rationalize their decision to buy in on the stock and, and saying why they like it or not, um, saying that they love the movies and can't wait to go back to the theaters is somewhat hardening for me. Um, another another interesting side effect, you know, as with the COVID shutdown, uh, you know, last year leading to people watching Contagion on Netflix, and then the Black Lives Matters movement leading to more people watching more civil rights related films uh, such as Selma, um, you know, the the some finance films such as The Big Short and the Wolf of Wall Street ended up topping various streaming services charts this past weekend, such as Apple TV Plus. Um, there was also a book proposal, not even a book, a book proposal from New York Times bestseller Ben Mesrix uh, called the Anti-Social Network, um, you know, which would chronicle the events of this week um, that they, they sold the film options to to MGM uh, for the, you know, late last Friday night. You know, this would bring MGM producer Michael DeLuca back with Mesrix. Um, the last time they worked together was to adapt Mesrix's book, The Accidental Billionaires, the founding of Facebook, A Tale of Sex, Money, Genius, and Betrayal, which was, of course, turned into the David Fincher film, The Social Network. Crazy, you know, that the story isn't even fully over yet. The book hasn't even been written um, or even picked up by a publisher yet. Um, and it's already going to be made into a movie. That's kind of nuts.
Anyway, obviously, you know, there is a, if there's any major moves related to AMC as a result of all this, I'll let you guys know. Uh, don't expect this show to turn into me reading off ticket prices each week, though, and, you know, reassuring you that your investment in AMC is, is, is the move to do. Um, that being said, you know, there are a couple of other news stories to hit before we touch on the weekend box office numbers. Uh, first up, we have a new movie date. Uh, the Dear Evan Hansen film from Universal is getting a September 24th release date. Uh, this stars the originator of the role, uh, titular of Evan Hansen, Ben Platt, from the Broadway play. Uh, we'll see if this has as much success as Hamilton did. Uh, you know, speaking of NBC Universal, you know them and Comcast, you know, owned by Comcast, their ad-supported streaming service Peacock has hit 33 million signups to date, um, up from 28 million at the start of December. Now, there's not a lot of detail as to how many of those are regular users and how many of those are, you know, in the paid tiers of 4.99 with ads or 9.99 without ads, um, which you know is particularly relevant for an ad-supported platform. It did look like they made they made a hundred million dollars in revenue in the last six months. Though you know, again, whether or not that's good or bad, I don't really have context for. Um, they are expected to have invested two billion in the service by the end of the year. Moving to Paramount's upcoming uh, service, you know, speaking of streaming services, Paramount Plus, uh, they did confirm that they will have the delayed SpongeBob Spuns on the Run movie debuting on the platform when it releases March 4th. Uh, we pretty much knew this was going to happen, though it's nice to have confirmation. Uh, and also remember that, you know, Spuns on the Run has been available internationally for a while now. Uh, Paramount is also moving their animated film Rumble uh, to February 18th, 2022, off of a May 14th, 2021 date. Um, this is a film, you know, about wrestling monsters. I guess they were hoping for some sort of crossover with Godzilla vs. Kong, but, you know, with Godzilla vs. Kong moving up to March on HBO Max, you know, the hope for a simultaneous theatrical release, you know, that's not really an option anymore, uh, you know, with, with Rumble. Now, speaking of HBO Max, you know, another new movie date, uh, the Angelina Jolie-led neo-Western film Those Who Wish Me Dead is set to release this coming March 14th, again, both in theaters and on HBO Max. Um, HBO Max also had a report showing that of all the new streaming service signups uh, in Q4 of last year, 23% went to HBO Max, the most of any platform, with Disney Plus coming in second at 17%. Uh, speaking of Disney+, Plus, it looks like there are rumors uh, that the premiere access window for Raya and The Last Dragon uh, coming this March will be for three months, uh, meaning that starting June 8th, it looks like it will become free to watch uh, for all Disney Plus users as with Mulan. Uh, Disney also announced a Wakanda-based TV series from Black Panther's director Ryan Coogler is currently in the works. Uh, and now, okay, I don't really have an easy way of segueing into this, but uh, Sundance, you know, the Sundance Film Festival has been going on for the last week or so. Uh, one of the top films, you know, getting a lot of hype is the film Coda, uh, which is a, uh, f a drama about a high school senior who is the only hearing child in their deaf family. Uh, the title stands for Child of Deaf Adults, um, and the and you know that that that's that main character is torn between pursuing her dream of music compared to staying and helping out her family's fishing business. Uh, no. Now, you know, obviously, you know, there's a, you know, these, these, uh, these indie films like South by Southwest and, and Sundance and so on are places where a lot of, you know, great, uh, films get picked up for, for distribution, especially come award season. Um, well, 
in this case, Amazon lost out to Apple TV, who ended up paying $25 million for the film. Uh, this is the largest acquisition to come out of, of Sundance of all time. Uh, the number two went to last year's film, Palm Spring, which ended up going to Hulu and Neon. So congratulations to the team at Coda for this. All right, let's get down to some numbers uh, and look at the box office numbers for this week. Uh, in first place, we have Warner's new Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto R-rated drama The Little Things, uh, which had a simultaneous HBO Max and theatrical release. In theaters, it made $4.8 million in 2,171 theaters, per the average of $2,211. Pretty solid for Elder Guy Fair, you know, doing better than the Liam Neeson films have come out so far, and even the first film back unhinged, you know, back back in late, uh, back in I think August last year, um, Denzel Washington I just just guess no just knows how to bring them in. Uh, internationally, it made two point eight million dollars in eighteen markets, bringing the week one total to seven point six million dollars. Budget of that is thirty million dollars. So you know, uh, obviously that's not quite as relevant as much as much as you know how much it is able to keep people subscribed to HBO Max uh, for Warner. Uh, you know, speaking of HBO Max, did announce that it is the number one film this weekend on their service. Which, you know, I'd hope it would be so, since it's like the, the I think the first real new film on the service since Wonder Woman came out. So yeah, I, I'd hope that'd be the case. Uh, in second place, we have Crude's A New Age making 1.8 million domestically in its tenth weekend, a gain of one percent from last week in 1876 theaters, per theater average of 969 dollars. Domestic total sits at 43.9 million dollars internationally it has crossed a hundred million dollars and sits at 144.4 million dollars i think it's actually going to beat out uh long term the number three film on our chart wonder woman 1984 week six it has made 1.3 million dollars domestically a 19 percent drop in 1964 theaters per the average of 697 uh domestic total sits at, at sits at 390 $39.2 million, um, and worldwide, it's sitting at $152 million. Uh, in fourth place is last week's number one film. In its third week, Marksman, dropping 38% to $1.2 million in 2018 theaters for a per theater average of $620. Domestic total, $7.8 million. With about $800,000 internationally, lifetime total is $8.6 million. And finally, in fifth place is Monster Hunter at $735,000 in week 7, an 11% drop in 1515 theaters, per the average of 486, domestic total 11.1 million, international 22.9. Uh, 45% of domestic theaters are open across the country. Illinois recently just opened theirs last weekend with a capacity limits. Similarly, Boston is going to be opening up some theaters this weekend with a 25% capacity, as is Seattle. Uh, total box office sits, is a little bit better than last week, uh, sitting at $11.7 million. Last year, this time, we saw $80.3 million with Bad Boys for Life leading the way in weekend three at $17.6 million. Uh, frankly, you know, looking at what's coming up this week, nothing looks super interesting uh, to keep an eye on. You know, maybe the, the most interesting thing might be that they're re-releasing uh, the Lord. The Lords of the Rings trilogy in IMAX this coming weekend uh, with Fellowship of the Ring, uh, you know, this week. And then uh, President's Day weekend, May 12th, uh, sorry, February 12th, uh, we're getting the Two Towers and Return of the, K Return of the King the following President's Day weekend. 
Now, moving internationally, before we hit China, uh, India announced it's moving to 100% theater capacity after uh, 3 million uh, vaccinations. Um, I'm not really quite sure the rationale there, but I, you know, they do them. Uh, the breakout film Master seems to continue to do well despite releasing on Amazon Plus. Lifetime total sits at $33 million. And then, you know, in Korea, we see the release of Japan's hit film, Demon Slayer. Uh, according to one report, it made 42% of all sales on the opening day, uh, you know, which is last Wednesday. Uh, between that and Seoul, the South Korean box office rose 30% versus the prior weekend. Uh, Seoul dropped only 9% over the weekend over there uh, for a running total of $7.1 million in Korea. This paired with only a 5% drop in Russia bodes well for the film to, you know, continue to push it. Uh, We'll talk about the numbers when we get to China. Uh, Over in Japan, Demon Slayer finally officially drops to number two in this weekly chart. Um, After 16 weekends, where I think it's like, you know, it's still all-time champ, but, you know, it fell to number two for the first weekend ever. Um, Behind the drama, I fell in love like a flower bouquet. All right, wrapping it up with China, uh, here are your top five. Uh, first place, we have Big Red Envelope, making $7.5 million, running total of $22.7 million. Uh, second place, we have Shockwave 2, making $6.3 million, running total of $187.4 million. In third place, A Little Red Dragon, making $5.5 million, running total of $208.3 million. Fourth place, the Sony animated film Wish Dragon, it made $3.1 million, running total of $18.8 million. And in fifth place, Warm Hug makes $2.5 million, running total of $127.3 million. And of course, just sitting outside the top five is Pixar's Soul. Running total there sits at $52.3 million, just shy of the number two Pixar spot in the country, needing to beat The Incredibles 2 at $53.7 million. Cumulative total for Soul worldwide is $85.2 million. Now, as we noted, China is wrapping up for the Lunar New Year weekend on the 12th. Uh, Some rumblings of travel restrictions as new cases pop up, but experts estimate that the total weekend take uh, for February 12th should be between 700 million and 1.1 billion US dollars. In comparison, last year, which was nearly completely shut down due to COVID, was only about 3.6 million US dollars. So this is going to be a huge increase versus last year. Uh, Pre-sales already at 15.56 million. Million US dollars, which is the 100 million yuan arc, uh, you know, which is according to Maoyan. Um, and that's just only likely to go up over the next week. Uh, the top three sellers are, you know, by a country mile, uh, Detective Chinatown 3, with 75% of the total, uh, followed by comedy High Mom at 13%, and then action film A Writer's Odyssey at 4.5 million, 4.5%. Uh, so definitely keep an eye on that Detective Chinatown 3 number. Uh, in any case, that's a wrap for this episode. Like I said, this coming week is looking pretty slow when it comes to box office news. So suit me ideas for what I should be covering via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at zmo.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. Leave a review on your podcast service of choice or on podchaser.com or just tell a friend. It's all of those super helpful. Uh, numbers in this show come from theunumbers.com. Our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find this his stuff at thecomplex.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on to the moon. <laughs>